You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to a Land and Legacy podcast, guys. This is part one of a two-part podcast, and this is all about turkey season, the opening weekend, or opening week of Missouri season 2020. We are so excited for this time frame. This is just a, a, a season that we look forward to because it, it's a completely different setup from deer season. There's a lot of community camaraderie, sharing of hunts, guests coming in, and just the turkey action is alive. It is fun. It is energetic. It's heart pounding. And um, we're pumped to be able to share that with you guys. So we have a kind of a cool little setup for these next couple podcasts that we've got going on. Since this is a part one podcast, Seth Harker and I are hunting tomorrow morning is open day. So you're going to hear from Seth and I on this podcast, but you're also going to hear from Adam and Chad, another team going out, and um, they're going to be hunting a completely different farm, completely different setup, different scouting, different management on that farm. It is more ag and cattle dominated compared to what Seth and I are hunting, uh, which is his lease, and that is very timber-dominated as well as food plots. And so we've got two different setups. Today, part one, we're going to go over what's been done to these farms, how they've been scouted, and what some of the techniques that are going to be used or strategies, hunting strategies, that are going to be used tomorrow opening day. We've got great weather, but you're going to hear from both of us for the different farms, the different strategies, and then... Next week, part two will hopefully be a recap of successful hunts that we've had. 
So you guys are going to hear kind of a before and an after opening day here with um, this new two-part podcast that we're going with for this week. So be sure to uh, follow along next week. But hopefully this week's podcast will give you lots of good information of how we prepared, what the game plan is, and you guys can get excited along with us. But first, I've got to give a shout-out to Vortex Optics. And I'm going to carry Vortex with us wherever we go, consulting, but especially this time of the year. Vortex Optics are on our chest when we are running and gunning, turkey hunting across Missouri because a lot of times people just think of optics for deer hunting and which buck is this, which buck is that. Well, sometimes it's just so darn thick or we're in large open views, cropland, farmland, cattle country that we need to find out if that is exactly birds that we're seeing. So we carry Vortex Optics with us. Be sure to go out and give them a like on their social media pages, follow along, but also check out all their cool, sweet products at vortexoptics.com. I have got the man, the myth, the legend on the line with me today, Mr. Seth Turkey Killing Harker. How are you? Good. How are you, Matt? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, I know that you are jazzed up. I am pumped up because today is the day before Missouri turkey season opens up for 2020. How pumped up are you? How excited? I'm pumped up. Second second holiday in Missouri. The first one's deer season. This is the second. That is so, so. very true. Definitely true. Uh, I think that um, this podcast is kind of going to be a little bit of a semi-live podcast for everyone who's listening. So tomorrow's game plan, roughly, is... You and I are going to hunt together, and I'm going to hunt on, on your lease, and then Adam and Chad are going to a different property about 50 minutes away um, that's been scouted. And yours have a little bit different of scouting techniques, but what we're going to talk about is kind of some of the preseason um, work that's been done, as well as some of the preseason scouting that has gone into or leading up to turkey season. And with this setup, because uh, Adam and Chad are going to be on later on, on the same podcast here, talking about what they've done, and there were really two different approaches. And so let's just get right into kind of our thoughts for the morning, where you want to specifically start, and then we'll break down, okay, here's how we've gone gotten to that conclusion of this is the starting point, this is what we've done in the area, here's what we think is happening based on the information we've gathered and this is how we've gathered that information. Because I think a lot of times, although you can go into turkey hunting just completely blind because they're very vocal first thing on the in the morning, you know, you can just roll up to a property and be like, all right, well, we're going this way. But when you do have many more pieces of the puzzle put together, like we're going to talk about, success definitely goes up. And so, Seth, what what's kind of the game plan for for first thing in the morning? So basically, been really busy with work. Haven't had a lot of the time to take the mornings and go listen. Uh, so we're just relying on number one on history. Um, mm-hmm. History is always one of your best game plans that you could ever have, especially if you hunted that property for several years like we have. Yep. Um, history seems to repeat itself. I mean, if the habitat, you know, has not changed or maybe you changed it for the better uh, those ends are typically going to be nesting uh, in traditional spots 
Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got soybeans in the corn like we have, we've got some leftovers, um, and the turkey seem to be around those. Uh, same way with the clover. So we know where those food sources are. We know where the nesting habitat is, and we kind of know the history of the property. Uh, minus the, uh, the current thing that we have done that I was really um, – interested to see how how that changed the turkey pattern because it was a heavy heavy edge feathering that we did yes yes on one of the properties so i was just i was like man because you go through there there are only select spots that they can cross in and out of these uh primary food sources from nesting and cover and so on and so forth i mean it's almost made um little pinch if you will. Absolutely, and, th- and, and that's one of those things, you know, to kind of lay out that scene is, is on this one property that, that had a lot of the edge feathering done or, um, on one of the large ridgetop fields. I mean, it's a big field complex, and you've hunted it for years successfully, turkeys and deer, but now, essentially, with the edge feathering project that was just completed, you took a big field and probably made a hunt much much smaller you had corridors that would go you know through it and kind of break up and funnel some from uh, corridor you know type activity but now it's it's a lot more condensed and it'll probably a little bit easier to hunt wouldn't you say oh definitely and um the cutty links we've got cameras around all those particular spots and mm-hmm. i mean it is i'm just telling you it's defined how the deer not only the deer but the turkeys as well are, are entering. And I mean, it just really um, made it easier where those uh, deer and turkey are going to enter and, and exit the field naturally. I'm not saying when you spook them and they run out, obviously they'll run through those tops. But sure. um, for a natural, when they're naturally coming in and out, obviously they have some, there's some hot spots around that field. And if you're there, you're going to be in the hot spot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you again, this is one of those places where you'd probably start anyhow listening from if you had no prior knowledge to the farm. You'd probably just start and listen at this general location where we're talking about this kind of larger field complex. And there'll be birds roosted on, on probably every side of it. However, with that new habitat feature of the edge feathering, an aggressive edge feathering, we'll probably see some of it in the in the footage of, of hunting and everything um, so people can visually understand what it is we're talking about. But once you know that, you, you have really cut down on where these turkeys are coming in and out at. And like you said, you place these cutting link cameras and they're sending you updates. And the updates, I think you actually posted something on Facebook the other day. It was like scouting from work. And here's a train yeah. of like six or seven longbeards just walking right there in front of the camera. And, and when they're coming in and out, whether they're coming to a call or going to a call or going to roost, coming off the roost, whatever it may be, it is going to be pretty well defined in and out of there. And then I think when you when you do have that knowledge of the property and go straight to a topography standpoint of what's what when we're looking outside of the field, where are the where are the little points, where are the little ridges, um, where are the benches outside of this ridge complex where we think turkeys are going to be just naturally roosted. Well, I'm not going to say it's not fair, but you can pretty much narrow down if you understand how turkeys are going to 
primarily work those terrain features in and out of that field, it makes a lot of sense where you're going to set up and where you're going to choose not to set up. I think I think it honestly it it puts a bullseye on several places just right out of the gate. Yeah, exactly, and that that's another reason why I mean scouting is important because I'm just telling you, as heavy as it is, if you were just to show up on that property and not know where those uh, entry and exit points are in mm-hmm. there, I mean, it could hose you on the hunt because, oh, there's a hot turkey. He's on the other side of that edge better. I'll assure you there's places he's not, you're not going to call that bird through. <laughs> he's not coming through. I, I, I know you've experienced I mean, it many, many times. Actually, we've had a hunt where you and I experienced it, the 160. 160, I remember, yeah. (laughs) We worked and worked and worked this bird for, I want to say it was a couple hours, and it was just, the bird was hot, and it was late in the morning, and we were Jake yelping, we were gobbling at the turkey with the diaphragm calls, and this turkey would just not break, and it would not come, but there was a large uh, dozer deck that was in the way, and it could not mentally figure out how to get around this, and we and we were oh so pinched gosh. and locked in, we couldn't do anything. It's like we can't we can't move around it um, ourselves because of property line issues. And so that I mean that hunt, right. it was cool. There was a lot of gobbling involved. The bird was close, but it just didn't it didn't work. It didn't happen. Yeah. And because of the habitat or or a slight change. But that's where the scouting and and proper planning and placement of these um, edge feathering appropriately really really helps. Right, and we and we learned later, uh, or I learned at the last week of season, that their their natural crossing was back up to the north where they wanted to enter into that, and that was would have been more of our strategy to stay up there where they're comfortable and that's mm-hmm. their normal. I mean, when you want to kill a turkey, the best way to kill a turkey, obviously calling is a great way. And we've all had those times where you just hammer them and it takes two or three hours to finally get them to break. But I will say this, it is much easier to call a turkey to where he's familiar and where he wants to be. Yes. So much easier. And very much. Very much so. We use the cutty links and we use the history that we know. Um and then there again, to hit on it again, I mean, I was sitting there, wow, when you go up to that edge feathering, you look, it looks like someone took, you know, a tornado just perfectly <laughs> went around the outline of those fields. Right. And I'll be straight with you, but it crossed my mind, man, is this going to hurt my turkey honey? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it crossed my mind, and I thought, oh, that's ridiculous, food's here and everything. Well... The cutty link showed us that it wasn't hurting, but it was actually helping me learn. I mean, I know where to set. I mean, right. I know where tomorrow morning, where you and I, uh, and Trace is actually going to tag along with us. Good. Uh, he's not, obviously, he's tagged out, but uh, he's going to tag along, and we know right where we need to start, mm-hmm. and, you know, I have a feeling and hope, good Lord willing, we're going to have a really good hunt for morning. Oh, man, yeah. I I, I really think that, uh, but what you're talking about is, is a common thought of, man, I, I've just done something drastic to the habitat. 
you know, am I going to experience, it, it's such a big change to me, how, how are, how's the wildlife that typically are utilized in this area, how are they going to react to such a drastic change? And, and um, through, through the cutting link cameras and, and putting them, up, uh, you know, placing them appropriately, you've seen a ton of turkeys. I don't know how many turkeys we're going to hear in the morning um, on the roost gobbling. We're talking just gobblers, but it's going to be a lot. And, and and that drastic of a change in the way that field and, and movement's going to be, it hasn't slowed down activity at all. And I think it's only going to help, one, the hunting of it, but, two, also nesting opportunities, um, brood rearing cover as turkeys are working along the edge and quick darting into cover with canopy uh, over top of them. I think you're going to see more successful um raising of of turkeys in and around that that larger field complex because of that work but initially yeah it's like holy crap i've just changed a lot but man it's going to be really really good i'm excited just to to be there at sunrise and and listen to the morning wake up because uh it's going to probably be one of those i'm hoping let's say it's going to be one of those loud mouth mornings and they're just gobbling and and hammering pretty hard but this this kind of let's say scouting strategy in comparison to just listening like let, let's say because i think you know you're, you're at least typically can be on the way to some job sites and stuff like that you might be working you could have mm-hmm. potentially gone and listened and heard where birds are roosted but again if that's all the scouting that you're doing you still could have set up in the exact wrong place but the combination yeah. of history and and the changes that have occurred in the cameras really help to solidify a solid game plan for the morning. And, and one thing you talked about was the extra grain left over from the soybeans and the corn that you guys planted last year. I mean, that one, right. the weeds that are out there, the ability for the birds to be able to strut, have a clear strut zone, you know, is super, super important. And there also is a food supply out there. And in addition to that, there's pockets of clover around the outside of the field, too, in the right areas, high traffic areas. So there's ample opportunity for birds to be on the ridge, gobbling, broadcasting their sound, coming out into the fields where it's actually short. Adam and I were just uh, in Oklahoma. We dealt with fields that were extremely tall from last year's growth, whether it was warm season grasses or just giant ragweed in the bottomland. And there really was very, very little places for birds to come out to routinely right. and strut. And I think that's often overlooked, truthfully, of, okay, what what is a strut zone? How do I create a strut zone? But all the work that you did last year is still really benefiting a lot of things and, and making, hopefully tomorrow and the rest of the season, a success. Right. And, you know, just just thinking of that, I do want to add this for all the listeners out there. Um, you know, there's been several years now, um, turkey populations, you know, they, they have kind of been on the decline in our area. Right. And there were several years, and I think Adam and I may have talked about this on the last podcast, but I just want to say it again, because there's a lot of people out there who think they have two turkey tags meaning that they have to kill two male turkeys no <laughs> yes. matter what. They'll, they'll hear that again and this week from, from us, the podcast we recorded. So keep hitting it home. Oh, really? Oh, keep hitting it home. Yes, yeah. sir. So, 
you don't, man, if you're running cameras or maybe just your observations on your farm, you feel like the population isn't what it once was, you don't have to kill that second turkey. And we, we did that for several years. And I will say this, we got the turkey numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we have got plenty of turkeys to hunt. My kids get to enjoy the turkey hunt. Uh, we have other people that come in, some of the guys from Stratton. They get to enjoy the turkey hunt. And guess what? Seth doesn't have to kill his second bird. Right. Um, you know, that's just the way it is. And, you know, we're getting high enough where I'm sitting there thinking, man, I may be able to shoot my second bird. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're getting to see the fruits of our labor. Um so, so that's pretty awesome, and, you know, it's about getting to experience it with other people. It's just not about me killing both my both my turkeys. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think a, the, the testament to that is, you know, last week's podcast, sharing about um, your experiences with, with both Trace and uh, Carson. I mean, that, those those were awesome experiences that, you know, by, by you not pulling triggers, um, in, in years previous, you've been able to have incredible hunting opportunities, success, um, you know, to, to each extent with, with your kids. And that, that's fantastic. And that, that is truly what it is all about. Um, and sharing those experiences. And, and a lot of times it comes up, let's say a potential sacrifice, but I think you would, you would certainly agree that, um, in the long run, it's not a sacrifice when you can have those experiences with your kids or just other people Amen. that you yeah. want to that you want to share the resource that you have managed so well, you want to be able to share that with people. And and I think that that's a you you've got a big heart to do that. And I think that's um, incredible mentality to have and share. That's what that's what we do. Why we do kind of what we do. You know, it's not we're borrowing it from our kids. Is kind of the the deal with land, and and you want to make it better. And so, right. you, letting yeah, off the trigger is is a part of that. Right. Yeah, for sure. And man, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I I really I, I really am too. It's bad. <laughs> this this is one of those days I'm, that I'm just like pumped up because like I I'm I won't sleep that much tonight. I'll get up, I'll rush out of bed, grab coffee, throw clothes on, and I'll be like I'm going I'm going to meet Seth. I just can't wait for that first little bit of sunrise to get set up and then anticipation build and calling back and forth to birds. And, man, it's just so much fun. You know, historically, um, last couple of years or so, uh, you and I have had great openings. And hopefully, we'll, good Lord willing, we'll keep that momentum in the morning. I, I, would, I hope so. I really would. And really, I guess last year – opening morning we sat up on this big field and you killed a bird right off the roost called him pretty much right in attacked the decoy and pow that was half hour after after uh sunrise so no that that would be great to continue later on that day i got on a bird or we worked that bird for a long time and killed him i don't know 11 o'clock or so but man it, it uh there has been some good, good opening day hunts, and I think we're we're up for another one. And I'm I'm excited that Trace is coming along too. It's um, it'll be cool because honestly, I've been able to go with you guys in the past years for youth season, see him tag quite a few birds, and um, 
it'll be cool to be able to run and gun and move move a lot with with him hopefully tomorrow too. So, man, that'll be that'll be a blast. Definitely. Uh, remember, do you remember the days where Trey? Uh, we couldn't walk 200 yards because our boy was legs weren't <laughs> long enough. Yeah. Couldn't carry nothing. Yep. Yep. So it was... Turkey was over here on this ridge. It's like, well, we're not getting over there. Well, yep. we're going to leave Trey's here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And we kind of need you to go along there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that um, a lot, a lot of cool things. I'm happy to be have been a part of those so far because you know I remember I remember going as a youth with my dad and my brother and recalling those hunts um and I go back in my head I'm like how many times did I not was I not aware like during those moments that we were like oh we need to be here but I was like I, I would say I was the uh maybe the weight, you know what I mean? That, that kind of like halted yeah. the oh, progress, yeah. but, but right. I rem- like never, never in my life do I ever recall my dad or my brother, mm-hmm. older brother by five years, you know, he, they would never be upset by that. And no, it's just part of right. being, it's just part of being out there. But, but Trace has, how old is Trace now? Like 11, 12? Yeah. 11. 11. Yeah. Like, and he's not a small 11 year old. Like he, he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. He's been in the woods a lot. Like he knows where to be quiet. So like just seeing that progression is so cool. Cause I, I just remember, um, you know, those times in my life of, of chasing turkeys and, and having similar experiences. Um, but yeah, it, 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 my mind goes back to that a lot when, when we hunt together during youth season. And that's what's awesome about turkey. And I, deer season, obviously everybody knows my kid. Right. I love deer season and I love deer management. Uh, with that being said, uh, really, I just kind of am seeing the value in actual uh, turkey management. Mm-hmm. And the value in that is it's fun. You can hear the turkeys. Um, and it's, it's more of a low-key hunt to bring women and children and get them involved uh, in the outdoors. And, heck, let's just, you know, Let's just say it's a heart-pounding experience when oh, that is. gobbler gets close. I mean, it, it's fun. It absolutely is, without a doubt, it is. And I, I think you hit on a really good point. I think, I think for the last thirty years, after a lot of you know really good restocking efforts, we we saw turkey numbers just climb, and it was just boom, 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 boom. Good solid reproduction across many, many states. And I think that we're going to see a really big trend here now, Seth, and people starting to get really serious about turkey management. And that gets me yeah. really excited. Not that I want to see turkey numbers plateau or decline in any area, but what, but what we know is that turkeys need more disturbances and they need more specific habitat types to persist and reproduce than what deer do, kind of like what we talk about with quail a lot. And so right. when people start to do really true turkey management on a property be like this is a sole focus i've seen i've seen my num my deer are fine but i've seen turkey numbers decrease let's do stuff for turkeys i know that good stuff really really quality habitat work outside of food plots and all this stuff is going to actually be what's implemented and truthfully that's what we need so no i'm not excited that turkey numbers are maybe in that trend but i also see the benefit for the educational purposes and more 
habitat management being right. done, being completed. Right. You know, we're we're uh, we're traveling through Douglas County right now mm-hmm. uh, here in Missouri, with, which uh, we're headed to fish with my cousin and Trace. Yep. Um, they're both they're both listening to the podcast, but uh, while we're shooting here, but you know, I've got a lot of family um, and friends that live down here in Douglas County, and they are talking about how they don't. There's parts in Douglas County where they don't even hear a gobbler. Yeah. anymore it's true um you got to realize that douglas county touches wright county wright county is where we'll be hunting in the morning mm-hmm. um but some of these guys down south that's what we call it it's south of grove where we reside yep. but these guys were love turkey hunting uh, i think some of them down here love turkey hunting more than they did deer hunting um and they do not have the turkey numbers that is a fact Right. Yep. It, it's a so, it's a very downward trend in in Douglas County. But but as you're driving and you're looking around, you see slicked off fescue pastures and you see unmanaged hardwood timber, and that's primarily that's exactly, all that it is. Exactly right. Very little bit gets burned. Um, and if you're driving on 95 south out of Mountain Grove, yeah, you, you see one of the best um, illustrations of prescribed fire, some timber management stuff, is some of the uh, the actual government-owned state land there around, along Shannon Ranch. Some of that is the best-looking turkey habitat you're going to see, and it's not in the hands of private landowners. That's why we call out a lot to private landowners hey we gotta we gotta be the ones to do stuff because as you're on that trip some of the best stuff is is um on the state game land right there so oh yeah yep i agree that old hay vine it sure the hay vine and the fescue it sure hurts our our nest for sure yeah yeah it it, uh it's it's definitely a domino effect of, of a lot of different things but you know you've done a fantastic job uh, managing turkeys there on your place and I'm super excited to be a part of a hunt tomorrow to listen to it to watch it all unfold and hopefully we'll be um, throwing one over the shoulder and listen to just lots and lots and lots of birds gobbling and showing off so I'm pumped for it man I'm excited I'm glad Trace is coming yes, along sir. we will uh we'll do an update tomorrow hopefully afternoon mid-morning whatever it is after the hunt's concluded and talk about specifically what it was that made that hunt successful and um, kind of dissect the hunt so people can learn from it and then maybe apply whatever techniques, whether it's calling techniques, hunting strategy, or just management techniques that were like, this is what helped make this hunt a success. So be sure to listen into part two next week, guys, as we'll recap some of these hunts and um, things that we have tomorrow with Mr. Seth and Trace Harker. Guys, Thanks for coming on, and um, good luck fishing. Go catch some fish. Thanks, Matt. I'm looking forward to it. Good Lord willing, we will see you in the morning. All righty, guys. Take care. See ya. Bye. All right, guys. So um, Chad and I are up next. You just heard Matt and Seth talk about their big plans for in the morning. Now Chad and I are teaming up, and we're going to a farm uh, in, in an adjacent county that Seth and Matt are hunting. Um, as you probably heard them talk about, uh, they're in a little bit different scenario than we are. They're hunting timber ground, wreck ground, 
Um, no cows, not a lot of disturbance other than planting food plots and some forestry practices, but it's a farm that is producing very high turkey numbers. Um, then you come to where we're headed, and it's a farm that has just produced and produced and produced turkeys. Um, and so very high disturbance, very high disturbance, very high turkey numbers. We'll talk about why, but first, the most important thing is, so we're sitting here, what is today? The 19th season start on the yep. 20th. So we're sitting here the night of the 19th, um, calling Chad. He's at the cabin on the farm. I'm at my home about an hour away, but I'll be tagging, teaming up with you in the morning. Where are the birds roosted tonight? And second part of that question is roosted or roasted? Well, <clears throat> so far for the past three years, they've been roosted, but not roasted right off the limb anyway. <laughs> it's yeah. been, I guess both, both, both of the past two years, you've missed out on the midday, the midday kill. It's mm-hmm. been hunt birds off the roost. Nothing really worked out because they're in big groups. And then come around, go eat breakfast and come around about 1030. And and I really, and I was thinking about that. I don't know why I haven't been there all day. I think last year I had real estate um, duties. And I remember in March when our broker was asking us days off so we didn't get assigned floor days, I said, Matt sent in the dates for us. And then I added Take the 20th and the 21st off there. And he goes, ooh, good call. <laughs> and so we get to hunt. We'll get to hunt all day if we or till 1 o'clock if we want, so uh, if it's needed. but um, We do yeah. have birds ro- roosted, though, at yeah, least. Yeah, that's awesome. They didn't. So multiple groups, I guess. This, this area is kind of, we've killed birds there around this area in the past. Um, it's kind of a, you know, since we're hunting a, since we're hunting a cattle farm, this farm particularly is mostly open. And that varies from either grazed pasture to kind of a winter feedlot to um, a crop field, tillable acres. Um, and then, of course, some rem- some kind of scattered wood pockets. Yeah. It's a majority open ground. I, what do you think? 80, 20, 70, 30, somewhere in there probably? probably at least. At yeah. least. Yeah. And so it's mostly That's... open. I think there's a lot of guys that can relate to this of, of hunting turkeys on cattle farms is, you know, there could be a chance um, that there's high turkey numbers, but there's also a good chance that it's going to be hard to maneuver around. And that's probably one of my biggest complaints about this farm is everywhere you go, it feels like you're exposed or have the chance to be exposed. Well, and especially where the turkeys are at this year. Generally, they're on the big field. That's a it's a cover cropped corn silage, and one half corn silage, one half alfalfa. And generally, that's pretty short. And the because they cut the alfalfa sometime right now, and so yeah. that first cutting of alfalfa now it's short. Um, well, of course, now this this year it's. It was they they drilled it in they cover cropped it into rye and they like two days ago cut the rye for for baleage so it's short but the turkeys haven't adjusted so they're on the other side of the property which is 
nowhere near as easy to maneuver around. The and big the, field and that's a, grazed pasture. Yeah, it's all grazed pasture. The big field has a has a creek that's like eight foot deep, like an eight foot deep bank that's yeah. dry. It's a wonderful, so you wonderful can maneuver around. way to get through the property. The side that the turkeys are on this year is not going to be as easy to maneuver around. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think, uh, you know, when we're talking about this farm and, and kind of the strategy is there's multiple birds or some right off the property on some neighboring pieces. But for the most part, because of um, historical hunts, we kind of have an idea where we could, you didn't even have to be up there and we could have probably been on a bird still on the limb tomorrow morning. But uh, because you were up there, we should be hopefully set up with decoys out so that they don't have to do a whole lot before they fly down and see decoys. Um, talk to me a little bit about how short the pasture is that's been grazed. Now, you know, we're, there's two different pastures and there's one area we call Death Valley that's just always had turkeys in it but it's never been it's not i wouldn't necessarily call it completely overgrazed it's always had you know 10 to 16 most most of the pastures on this place aren't overgrazed i mean they're they're decently tall i mean somewhere around six inches tall they've all been grazed nothing's nothing's real thick and rank yeah. So the and then nothing's real super short either, and there's always uh-huh. clover mixed in, um, and a couple other other forbs that you'll find. But and we're saying all this because there's kind of a correlation where the turkeys bounce around the cows, especially later in the season, as the grass the the pasture grass grows up taller. The turkeys kind of almost chase those cows around, following the short grass, following that disturbance. Yeah, that's, and that's the ones tonight were in a, in, in the pasture that I saw, there's two donkeys in the field. Uh-oh. And I think I saw at least, I could see something black over to one edge that wasn't turkeys. But I think, but I never, I, I never got around to that edge of the pasture to see, but I did see two donkeys out there because I, I looked at them through binoculars. Gotcha. At one point. Well, maybe they'll make a turkey gobble. Yeah, I never heard them. I never made any noise. Oh, man. Well, at, hopefully they will mind their own business, and we can mind our own business. We don't have to deal with any livestock tomorrow morning, but it's kind of the price you pay whenever you're hunting a cattle farm. Yeah. And so, kind of the- you know, let's talk a little bit about the, the – we've talked about the strategy, but let's talk a little bit about why turkey numbers are so high based on our observations and our opinions um, and what we see on this farm, um, you know, I think cattle farming gets a bad rap and there's some validity to that where, you know, there's some really bad cattle farms out there, uh, as far as going to be able to produce wildlife and, and, and kind of work hand in hand with wildlife numbers. Um, but this farm in particular has, has kind of a different, they do things a little bit differently than most people. Um, it's a little bit bigger operation. I mean, the guy's a full-time farmer. His dad's a full-time farmer. Um, and what they do is, uh, you know, they've got d- dairy cows as well as beef cows. Um, and instead of just doing pastures, cool season pastures like smooth brome or tall fescue in particular on this farm, it's kind of a mix of they've got corn, 
um, that they cut for silage. They also have uh, the cover crop. I haven't. I don't think I've seen them not cover crop. Um, and so you've got spilled corn, and then you have cover crop, which is you know sometimes it's been turnips and wheat. Other times it's been uh, turnips and cereal rye. Uh, and then, of course, the moneymaker, the one that you and I in particularly love, is the alfalfa fields. Yeah. And that, those alfalfa fields, I mean, Kyle and Frank talk a lot about the, I think they have on a podcast anyway, about the attractiveness of alfalfa bringing in insects. And you guys have heard Mike Chamberlain, Brett Collier talk about brood rearing and things that they need and how number one diet for them is, is bugs. And those that disturbance... Um, through cattle grazing, through planting, um, and, and Chad told me pre-show that this area that was cereal rye uh, that just got cut two days ago um, is getting planted in corn probably t- tomorrow or the next day. So um, there's going to be corn out there, um, and so there's constantly a disturbance that's occurring, and, and through that disturbance, there's annual weeds that are going to grow up. There's um, bare ground or cattle trails that then once the cows are removed, you get a lot of annual weeds weeds growing there. You get clover mixed in. You get alfalfa mixed in. Um, the woods aren't grazed a lot. Um, there's a couple patches of woods that are, but a lot of the woods are either just fenced off or the cows just don't go into them that much because there's plenty of grass out in the fields. Um, and so there's not a real use and abuse type uh, approach. Um and then what what uh, hardwoods are there? There's a really, I, I think w- one thing that really shocks me on this whole farm is the amount of acorns, there you go for you guys that complain <laughs> so much, the amount of acorns that are produced in such a small amount of timber and how attractive they are to the deer to where, you know, if it's 20 or 30% you- of this farm, and they have a good acorn crop, deer stop using the crop fields a very, I mean, significantly You'll going to those. You'll see very little movement on, on, like, very lush alfalfa. You'll see very few deer when there's a lot of acorns. And it's it's Just very strange. they completely stop, which they have a ton of bur oak. And actually have, have uh, I see multiple swamp white oaks, which both produce huge acorns. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you, you talked about the turkey population, but this place also is, has a, enough that you hear a lot of quail in the spring turkey hunt, too. That's right. That was another point of definitely. And, you know, quail don't just happen by accident, usually. Like, if they're there, there's something that's attracted to them to where they stay there because if if it was just a sterile piece of ground they'd probably go elsewhere or they would die and uh, this farm always has quail on it and they don't do anything for quail it's just they happen by um, normal farming practices constant disturbance yep and so you know that's kind of the approach tomorrow morning we're going to be taking all those things into consideration when we're hunting this farm it's always a um it's always a uh definitely a you know here's the plan but because it's a working cattle farm 
plans change very quickly. If we're set up and cows show up, it's yank the decoys or let's move around and go somewhere where the cows aren't. Um, it's when just, it's it, kind of a change for us. I guess it's part of why we, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of turkeys too, but I enjoy it because it's different. It's a different type of hunt than we grew up doing. I yeah. mean, we've grown up, we did hunt pasture and cattle farm, but predominantly a lot more timber hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the exact this opposite. Is, Our farm is yeah, more. This is a 60. majority field. You're expecting to deal with turkeys in the fields. Yeah. No fanning. That's one thing I'll yeah. promise you won't happen tomorrow is there'll be somebody crawling behind a fan. <laughs> Because we're not the only people that get to hunt this farm. So, um, yeah, it's uh, definitely going to be a fun a fun morning, hopefully. Um, like another thing going to be really good. Weather's going to be great. Weather is going to be great. I know there's there's an unspoken competitive spirit that's occurring tomorrow with Matt and Seth on theirs and uh, you and I up there. I, th- I think they probably have the advantage because they have trail cameras out that are like, oh, they're here every morning. Um, but we also, um, I guess have an advantage because we can see a lot more. So we know (laughs) basically we're going to see turkeys tomorrow. It's just whether or not we can, we can coax them into, into range. Yeah. Which I, I did, I told you a little bit. I did see at least six different jakes, two groups of three. Really? around like on their own so hopefully we don't fall for what we did last year bully jakes good goblin bully jakes that we set up on and call all the way in and realize it's a bunch of bully jakes yeah huh well hopefully we don't have to deal with them but you know it's good to deal with jakes because we know we got a good population of turkeys yep they're hopefully going to make it next year um yeah, I know. I'm definitely excited, and and for for this hunt, it's kind of opening day turkey season is very. Uh, it means a lot because um, turkey hunting has probably been more of a thrill for us through our life because turkey numbers have been a lot better than deer numbers, and so it's what what year was that? 2000. That would have been 2017. You and I doubled up on opening day uh, on this farm, actually. Um, and but it was a mid morning hunt. It wasn't right off the roost because um <laughs> I think this is one thing too that dealing with large numbers of turkeys is you also deal with a better chance of hinned up turkeys. And uh this farm has kind of always been that where I don't know, I would say mid morning hunts are way better than fly off the roost hunts on this farm. Yeah, we've very rarely had and it's late. If we've had a good off the roost hunt, it's been late, or it's been late in the season. Yeah, I can think of one with Matt and I. <clears throat> yep, but that's right. Not and too you guys far. Have had a few. Uh huh. I haven't been here. Yeah, but. the the ones that uh that have been good, we've gotten set up so close they could almost poop on us off the limb. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I think Rats. of the well, actually, the morning that we that I my wife called me to tell me that we were having. Uh, our baby girl Maya, um, that we were set up where once the sun started shining, we could look around and see all the turkeys in the trees, and they were just like it felt like we were on a 
at, in Bush Stadium uh, where the Cardinals play, and the the fans were the turkeys. Like they were just looking down on us in this in this field. It was like, uh oh. Yeah, but we made it happen. And that's the birds we plan on setting up on in the morning. There's a there's a pile of turkeys. Yeah. And I I don't know that we mentioned. I saw this group. How many turkeys do you afternoon. think there are in a flock? Maybe fifteen or twenty. Mm, yeah. At Where do you least. think we're at? In the you think most of the turkeys are still flocked up pretty good. These were um, that other group. There were two gobblers and four hens. Mm-hmm. They seem to be somewhat grouped up still. Yeah. I don't. I don't know exactly how many longbirds are in the group that we're we're going after. Gotcha. I, I saw at least three big redheads, but so probably a sure. half strut Jake and a hen decoy. Yeah, I'd say that's that's the plan. Cool, cool. I know you're up to bat first. I'm going to be running the camera behind you, but um, you know, and that's kind of something too that I've kind of grown out of to where, yeah, it's great if two birds come in um, and you shoot one, and then the other one's standing there, and you pass the shotgun to the other guy. But I don't think I want to do that anymore. Um, not with turkey no. numbers of the way they are. It's kind of like, well, if we're going to kill two time, birds, let's hunts. go ahead and let's go ahead and uh, maybe let that one go, and then we'll go and uh, we'll go and chase another one. Especially when you think about like uh, the research that Mike Chamberlain's done with the pecking order. Yeah, it's like it kind of makes you it makes you think twice about shooting the strutter. It does, you know doesn't it? Now, Matt and I said the same thing. Makes you think about standing off to the side. I'm going to shoot the looker. Which, that's that's never a bad thing either. (laughs) I know. They're generally the ones that give you the trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that same thing when I heard that was like, huh, if it takes them that long to establish a new pecking order, it kind of makes you want to go, maybe we'll just let the strutter go and we'll shoot shoot the other one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's there's definitely some great uh some great research coming out of uh southeast and in the south and I would encourage you guys listeners to oh, I think it'll be tomorrow. So if you're listening to this podcast when it drops on the twenty first, um on the on the twenty second National Wild Turkey Federation Facebook page will have a live event with Dr. Mike Chamberlain and Brett Doctor Brett Collier. Um, talking about predators and turkey numbers are in turkeys. And so I'm definitely going to try to tune in, and hopefully you guys will too. Are you going to be there, Chad? No, I'm going to listen. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they say. I've I, seen... I know enough to know <laughs> from those guys that they're going to tell you habitat first, predators later. But, gosh, predator and turkeys is just an ongoing seems like every time you turn around it's, it's a conversation it's being it's being hashed over like crazy right now because everybody's we're getting to where most seasons are open or have been open for a while and it's it's fresh on their minds especially places where they've they've kind of seen the gobbling peak and they're in the lull and they're hunting that lull not hearing much so they're thinking that there aren't any turkeys anymore yeah well hopefully it it's, motivates people to get out and do a little bit more um, habitat work. I, I think, I don't know. We ought to make a graph or a categorize game species and then rank them out in 
hardest or uh, ones that require quality um, land management versus ones that don't require it. Um, you know, I think turkeys require a little bit more than deer. They don't require as much as quail. Um, may not even require as much as rough grouse. But turkeys, I think, definitely require more more than a uh, than a white-tailed deer would. Well, I, th- I mean, we could talk about this forever, but I think that a lot of the problem is we were spoiled with when we first were restocking turkeys, they exploded. So we have the mindset that it doesn't take much to keep them around and keep them at the same numbers. Yeah, yeah. Is, is a lot of the problem that we deal with, but... Yep, for sure. Well, um, I know we're definitely going to be getting after it in the morning. Um, kind of a wrap-up. So we're hunting a cattle farm. We're getting in an area that the cows aren't, but the cows have the cows hopefully aren't going to be standing where we want to hunt in the pasture. <laughs> hopefully they're at the other end. Um, and then, um, you know, we're going to be, since we're kind of opening day and they're still flocked up, we're going to be running a Jake decoy, half strut, and a... Um, a hen decoy. We're going to be getting in close. Hopefully, I'm not late. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's one of the biggest complaints I have with living this far away is like one little thing. I can hit traffic here. I can get traffic midway or just running late. And before you know it, you're really late. And so, uh, yeah. Um, I'm we would just... like to be standing there when they first gobble. Yeah. For but sure, for the sure. Odds haven't been good for that. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to be hunting them like that, and then uh, oh, hopefully Chad can control his aggressive calling, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh goodness! So I, I know I'm definitely excited, and hopefully, uh, hopefully everyone out there is enjoying your turkey season if it's opened up. Hopefully you're being safe and have have heard some birds. Um, also for you guys, uh, that are waiting or maybe season's just getting ready to open up or you're in the North hadn't opened up yet. Um, hopefully you guys can get out. You know, turkey season is a great opportunity to introduce new hunters. It's a little bit more action packed, hopefully than, than deer hunting. Um, uh, quick story. Uh, a couple years ago we had Keith Hammer and, um, Taylor Patterson from Stratton Seed Company up. They had never killed a turkey. I'm not even sure they'd ever been turkey hunting. Uh, we took them uh, to a couple of our farms. They ended up both killing their first turkey. Completely jacked up, pumped up, excited, and were ready to continue chasing turkeys every spring. And I got a text last week, a uh, picture with Taylor, and he'd went out. The Both of them, Keith and Taylor, went to Taylor's family farm, and they'd called in a bird and killed it and uh, did it all by themselves. And so... In a matter of two, three years, I guess two years, they'd gone from killing their first bird to now going out and doing it on their own. So um, that's exactly what you're hoping for when you introduce somebody to the outdoors is, you know, you don't just have to keep taking them into your farm. You can use your farm as an opportunity to take new hunters, and hopefully you light that fire in them enough that they can go find their own ground or find a way to chase some birds uh, or chase some animals somewhere, uh, somewhere. And maybe it is back on your farm, but at the same time, we're going to keep try to bring in new hunters and, and getting them hooked on the outdoors. Um, 
I mean, especially Taylor. I mean, his <clears throat> his first first day of hunting was uh, when we when we took him on a eight mile hike. Eight mile hike. We we walked him to death, and he's he's still at it. So yeah, we didn't necessarily do the best thing for him when we <laughs> when we got out there, did we? But sure enough, we did something right because they both got got hooked on it. So. Um, and Chad, I'm looking forward to it. Get some sleep tonight, and uh, we'll be ready to rock tomorrow morning, guys. Um, it's 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 going to be a fun time, and hopefully, you guys can continue to uh, follow along on a podcast. But most importantly, right now, here's my call to action for you: is head over to our YouTube channel and uh, give us a click the subscribe button, please. Um, we're dropping more and more videos, and you know, not to let the cat out of the bag, but there's a whole lot more coming and uh, all kinds of stuff. If you've been asking, man, I wish I could take their podcast and make it more visual so I knew exactly what they're talking about. It's coming. I could promise you that. So um, you guys, uh, you've asked and 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 asked us to keep doing to make videos about edge feathering and all kinds of stuff, and up until this point, I've been the one editing uh, most of those in the last year or so uh, with some slate and glass films early on, but now we're going to be doing Stepping It Up. I'm not handling it, and it hopefully it'll be a lot better. And you guys, this should be great news for you guys. Um, but I want to thank um, our partners that make this happen. Um, you know, Stratton Seed Company's been with us from the from the beginning and Stratton Seed is flying out the shelves or flying out the door, flying off the trucks. And uh, Heritage Blend is back in stock, as well as uh, a lot of the other seeds still going out the door, still in stock. They are sold out of Wild Game Changer 2.0 soybeans, but they've got plenty of other Heritage and uh, Wild Game Changer 1.0s in stock. Um, Ancestry Blend, Duck Blends, a bunch of stuff that you can find on our website, shoplandandlegacy.com, or gostrattonseed.com. Podcast wouldn't happen without them. We thank them for supporting us, and hopefully you guys will uh, find some of their seed. You know, we're looking at affordable seed. Uh, Definitely if you compare it to other other stuff on the shelf, uh, this is just almost feels a little bit like robbery sometimes because it is so cheap. Um, and it's great stuff. So hopefully you guys can save some money and plant a great product. Uh, and use that money on buying a new chainsaw or something something else to pour into your farm. So, guys, thanks again for listening to the Land and Legacy podcast. We'll catch you next week. Yep.